Welcome to this episode of Sea Trade Maritime Masterclass. My name is Emma Howe, Director of Digital Sea Trade Maritime. Over the next 20 to 30 minutes, I look forward to discussing with Caroline Yang, Chief Executive of Hong Lam Marine PTE Limited, her 25 years in the maritime industry, and her advice for graduates wanting to progress within this fascinating shipping sector. We will also touch on her role as ambassador for Sea Trade Maritime Club and how she hopes to grow this initiative. Welcome, Caroline. Thank you. Thank you, Emma. It's good to be here. Caroline, you graduated with LLB honours from the University of London and BA honours from the National University of Singapore, both back in 1990, and were called to the Bar of England and Wales in 92. Did you always know you wanted to enter the law profession? And was it at that time you particularly wanted to be involved in maritime law? Actually, in a conversation with a mentor, when I was thinking about the different disciplines, I was encouraged to think of doing law. So I actually applied to the National University of Singapore to do law, but I was offered to do Bachelor of Arts instead. And I couldn't afford to go overseas, so I decided to do this external degree with University of London, but I was also afraid that I may not achieve the external degree because it requires a lot of self-study. So I decided to do the Bachelor of Arts with the National University of Singapore, and then I did both at the same time. So I did want to practice with no particular preference in the type of law, And for me, with my circumstances, then I took the first job that was offered to me. You subsequently passed bar exams of Singapore in 92 and were then called to the bar of Singapore in 95. In the meantime, you'd started as the in-house counsel at Hong Lam Marine. So straight from university, what was your biggest challenge when you first started? And what advice would you give to graduates starting their careers in large companies like this? I am trying to recall, but I do not think there was any particular challenge within the company internally. I think you are employed for the role, you are respected for the role. However, to some external stakeholders at my time, in certain settings, I sometimes there were some subtle vibes that perhaps you were not being taken quite seriously. Perhaps because of my age rather than my gender, I am not quite sure. So I have always worked in an SME. Hong Lam Marine is considered a medium enterprise. I have no experience in large companies. But actually, my advice to any graduate starting out is to be adventurous in your work. You know, I sometimes wonder why do staff say this or that is not my area of work and therefore why should I do it? I feel you are young, you have the energy, you have the ability to work till late and still come to work the next day on time. Why do you not want to learn as much as you can? The more you do, the more you learn. The more you do of the same thing, the better you get at it. So that would be my advice to any young person who is starting out. I think that's very, very sound advice. And I hope that anybody listening to this podcast takes that advice to heart as well. Yeah. Caroline, you remained in-house counsel until 2002, and you're now chief executive of the same company and also oversee the legal, finance and human resources functions. That is a big career ladder to climb. 
You mentioned just now, actually, that you felt maybe some of your colleagues looked at you slightly differently because you were young or you were a woman. But did you face any glass ceiling fears as you rose through the company? And what would be your advice to young lawyers, regardless of gender, about progressing their careers? You know, Emma, I was actually at a panel session of the International Association of Young Lawyers yesterday. And actually, before I started, because the target audience were all young lawyers, and I told them that actually your opportunities are endless. Your career trajectories are endless. The pathways that you have are endless. It is really up to you. Look at me. I started as an in-house legal counsel, and here I am as a CEO. I am trying to recall, but perhaps maybe 95% of the time, I have never said no to a new challenge. When I first started, the accountant at that time in the company did not want to do finance, did not want to talk to bankers. I took on the job. Insurance, HR comes naturally. And then later, we had some incidents on board the ships and it it actually shocked me quite a bit. And I decided to take on the challenge of overseeing safety. So and I, I asked for that role. So when you talk about how far you can go, really the opportunities are endless. It's all up to you. But when you talk about glass ceiling fears, I try to think about it. And sometimes the glass ceiling is also self-induced, you know, because I recall very clearly that I had a senior director who is above me and I never wanted to go above him because I respected him and I deferred to him so many times. But he left quite suddenly from the company and I had to take on what he was doing and beyond that. And I really felt that I flew. So I think it is sometimes induced, self-induced. Sometimes it could be there. I'm not saying there's no glass ceiling. I'm sure there is, especially in larger companies. But you have to find a way to break through it or leave it when it's time to do so. Do you think that that also correlates with imposter syndrome as well? Yes, yes. Now that you you say it, Emma, it's so true, isn't it? We always think lesser of ourselves. And I have never felt this more keenly than when I took on the role of the newly appointed role as the president in 2019. For a while, I really felt that, why am I here? (laughs) Do I really have something to to contribute? It it took a while. It took a while. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. What attracted you and kept you in maritime law for so long? There is never a down moment. Absolutely <laughs> never a down moment. I I can safely say that I'm still continuously learning in maritime. There's always something new. I think especially when you have um, ships and you have the seafarers working on board the ships. And especially in the last two years, I think it has been quite challenging. So I think... Maritime is a continuous uh, learning journey and maritime sucks you in. The people, I think that's very important. We are very positive. We are really a fun group of people. And maritime, although it's global, is also tightly knit. And it is a very interesting set of people with a sense of camaraderie. So I think that's what makes it so interesting in maritime. We'll get back to the interview in a second, but I just wanted to take a moment to tell you about the Sea Trade Maritime Club, a private membership club connecting senior leaders from across the global shipping industry. 
are members of senior professionals representing ship owners, ship operators, or ship management companies. If you want to find out more, please go to www.seatrademaritimeclub.com. Thank you. And now I'll get back to the interview. Thank you, Caroline. And actually, I think we all see that when we attend trade events. It's like going to somebody's large house and seeing all your friends and family, isn't it? (laughs) Oh, yes. It's like this big networking event and and no one can stop talking. No one wants to leave. Everyone (laughs) is just talking to each other, having fun with each other. Yeah, it's really a very nice thing to see. It is, it is. (laughs) Yeah. What about if you hadn't entered the shipping industry? Would you have used your law degree for another specialty, criminal law, for example? Well, I must say I really had no particular preference and I would take the first job that would be offered to me and probably learn to love the work or leave the work after some time. So I actually had to do a practice course for six months because I wanted to be called to the bar. And I did family law. I don't think that would have suited my temperament. I didn't mind corporate. Again, I don't think I would be cut out for criminal law, much as is interesting as it can be. Moving on, you were elected as the president of the Singapore Shipping Association, SSA, in 2019, becoming the first female to helm SSA since its inception in 1985. You're also a board member of the Maritime and Port Authority of Singapore and the Singapore Maritime Foundation. How does it feel to fly the flag for women in shipping? And what more would you do to encourage women to be seen and heard in what has been perceived as a male-dominated industry? Loaded question. Okay, so the first part of your question... I actually consider it a privilege to serve in all the three organisations. And I really must thank the policy of the Singapore government where they see tripartism as an important combination to propel Maritime Singapore. So when we say tripartism is actually the regulator, the industry, as well as the unions. So it is a very symbiotic relationship, a very close one. And... For SSA, I actually see SSA as the bridge between the voice of the industry and the maritime regulator. And all of us are the promoters and the protectors of Singapore as Maritime Singapore, as the leading international maritime centre. We have a common objective, and that is to strengthen Singapore standing as a key maritime node. So SSA has 485 maritime companies and individuals, and we work very closely with the government of Singapore and also the unions. And I think it is also my predecessors since 1985 and until today. And actually, when I took on the role, I was very aware that I must never do anything to erode the trust that has been built up for the last 35 to 40 years of SSA as a trusted advisor to the government on Maritime Singapore. So our members actually, we through the SSA platform, we share all our views and with that collective views, we present it to the government whenever there's a policy change or if they want to introduce a policy or how it impacts the Maritime Singapore. And then the second question when we talk about flying the flag for women in shipping, 
Actually, I see that with a tussle of talent worldwide, the maritime industry welcomes any men or women who just have the interest and passion for an industry that offers diverse range of roles, diverse experiences, and as long as you value agility, you value resilience, you value ingenuity, you value camaraderie, this is the sector for you. So, you know, I have so many peers who are male and female, and especially the female, they really embody these values and have flown the flag for shipping too. So I want to share that in Singapore, I feel so fortunate to be the president at a time where the MPACE is still is a woman, a lehun. She was appointed in 2019 January. I was appointed in 2019 July. And the SMOU Gen is also a woman. And three of us work so well together. And this has been so precious, especially during the last two challenging years when we were talking about crew change and crew vaccination. So really, Maritime welcomes anyone, men or women. I encourage you to join Maritime and try Maritime. And then we talk about flying the flag as well. So I feel the shipping industry and every one of us in Maritime has a role in championing our own industry. Can you imagine? I mean, in the COVID, we really kept the global trade flowing. We sent everyone their essential goods. And it was really through the brave seafarers who lived through the periods of lockdown and difficulties of signing on and off their vessels, industry workers working extendedly to cope with the increased demands for the shipping services. So really, at the end of the day, I would think it takes everyone to come together to fly this flag. And it has never been more stark than in during the COVID. And I give you an example, the Star Fund where it was really an initiative by the CE of MPA and it got us to come in with funds from SSA, from SMOU, SOS. These are the two unions in Singapore. We also got ITF to come in with big support, IMAC, with big support, International Chamber of Shipping. And we formed this Shipping Tripartite Alliance Resilience we call it STAR, and we had this fund and we set protocols for the crew change to do crew change safely and efficiently, and we had crew vaccination for the seafarers. So I feel that the last two years, everyone has come together to fly the flag of maritime. Thank you for that insight, Caroline. Yeah. That was fascinating, actually. I think now that we are coming out of the other end of the pandemic, it's an excellent opportunity to really reflect back of the magnificent efforts, like you say, of everybody within the industry and the camaraderie that helped to bring together perhaps people who wouldn't have been working together otherwise to the common goal of looking after our seafarers and ensuring that trade continued. It's so clear. It hasn't been more clear than in the last two years. You were recently appointed as ambassador for Singapore at the Global Maritime Club. You joined the club at Posidonia recently. Why is it important for clubs like this to bring together members at key international events? I was very happy to be asked to be part of this global maritime club, especially in this environment, because maritime by its very definition has to be global in nature. 
and Singapore being the leading international maritime centre must contribute what they can to global maritime. And the issues we face are actually very urgent today. It has become more urgent since the opening of all the countries, digitalization, decarbonisation, and how these affect our ships and most importantly, our seafarers. And actually, by virtue of my role as SSA president, I am very privileged to be in the thick of being in the industry with strong connections to the regulator and the unions. And I'm also very plugged into the International Chamber of Shipping because SSA is also a member of ICS. So we have very good knowledge of issues. We have good knowledge of the challenges and the opportunities. And all these should be shared with everyone. And I feel, I hope that I can, with the diversity of the members of the Global Maritime Club, I really hope that we all can come together and move the needle for the continuous betterment of maritime. I hope we get together with an agenda of points for discussion and see if concrete actions can be realised. And this is the value, actually, I see of Global Maritime Club. Thank you, Caroline. And thank you for your time today. I think anybody listening to this will agree this has been a really interesting insight into yourself, Caroline, but also the industry in which you've spent you know, many years now specialising. So thank you. Thank you for your time. No worries. Thank you for having me, Emma. I'm very pleased to be here.